0: In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Fun, 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 fun,
1: fun. to the wonderful Cover is not the best, so i open it up
0: and take a look. Ah,
1: if it isn't the only bookworm in town.
0: What's that word again?
2: Inspired. by or other things that you can listen to or read about involving Disney, we'll examine it here. Here on Notably Disney, I love nothing more than to celebrate the company's rich legacy of music as one of the major pieces in addition to books, of course. And I've realized that over the course of these dozens of episodes now, um, one topic that has maybe only come up briefly but never really been given full attention is the single long, songs series of tapes that Disney debuted um, as early as the mid 80s and as recently as the mid 2000s um, over the course of several different uh, series of tapes. And I thought now would be a time to really celebrate what that series had to offer in terms of serving as an exposure for many of us to the classic songs and also uh, Kind of uncovering its history and, and how it changed over time, um, some unique aspects of the series, such as Mickey's fun songs, which later became inco- incorporated into this. So um, it gives me great pleasure to be focusing on the Disney Sing Along Songs series today uh, with special guests, Emily McDermott and Courtney Guth of the Book of the Mouse Club podcast. So let's shift right into that conversation. So on this episode of Notably Disney, I'm excited to bring back two former guests and friends who are quite astute about all things Disney and as it pertains to Disney books via the Book of the Mouse Club podcast, Emily McDermott and Courtney Guth. You might remember them from episode nine uh, back in the day uh, when we reviewed Yesterday's Tomorrow, which was a book by Don Hahn, and then they came back for our tunes and quotes trivia and today we're talking all about the Disney Sing Along Songs series. If you were a child of the late 80s into the early 2000s, you probably remember this very well um, watching those on repeat um, or at least constantly being in your VCR. Uh, If you were not a child during that period, you probably may know someone who was a fan of that and as Disney fans, it was core to our development as Disney aficionados. So really glad to have both Courtney and Emily on here today as we discuss the history of the series, what were some of the major components and themes, some memories and ultimately the lasting legacy because this is uh, perhaps an underexplored part of Disney history. Um, haven't seen us explored in too much depth. So really glad to have both of you on. Welcome back Courtney and Emily.
0: Hi, Brett. This is Courtney. For any listeners who uh, haven't come over to our show just yet, we are grateful to have you recently on episode 40,
1: and we are so excited to be talking about sing-alongs with you today. I watched a whole bunch this week, and I know we're going to talk about Beach Party, but that has been stuck in my head all since last week. I just keep singing, We are going to set our names free. Singing, uh, ooh, zap a And I can't get it out of my head. So I am ready to talk about sing-along songs and hopefully get something else <laughs> playing in my brain.
2: So I think we now need to designate you, Emily, as the official person to be singing the lyrics for some of the songs that we're going to be talking about today.
1: I, I second best. that. Because you do I will not do my want best. to hear me.
2: <laughs> yeah. I texted nope.
1: Courtney and I was like, what if we introduce ourselves with the set-our-names-free song? And she was like, no. I can
0: say I'm Courtney. That's about as far as you're going to get rhythmically from me.
2: (laughs) Yeah, ditto here. Well, there's a lot of uh, fun memories that we're going to share as we grew up on these tapes and revisited them recently. Um, But So let's kind of talk about uh, how this episode is going to work. We're going to explore the history, um, the format of the videos, the types of videos, because there was not just one common type of sing-along songs. Uh, Some of our favorite tapes, um, and I emphasize tapes because most of these were VHS tapes, uh, for those of you who remember those. Um, And also just how elements of sing-along songs, whether implicitly or explicitly, factor into our lives today via the platforms we have accessible to us and how um disney music um can be enjoyed and sung along to across different spaces so um i'd like to kind of start off by recognizing that uh we are the uh commentators on this episode but there were commonly uh, commentators of sorts for the sing-along series uh one of those being Mr. Professor Owl. So I know Emily you have some context and uh, history to share on this feathered figure.
1: Yes, so we're going to start with Professor Owl because he predates the sing-along songs. So Professor Owl is a blue owl and music school teacher that serves as the host of Disney sing-along songs. But he's originally from two 1953 Disney shorts called Melody and Toot, Whistle, Plunk, and Boom prior to being the host of our sing-along tapes. Professor Owl was designed by one of Walt's nine old men, Ward Kimball, and originally voiced by, voiced by Bill Thom- Thompson for Melody and Toot, Whistle, Plunk, and Boom. So his voice might be familiar or maybe not familiar to you because he is a great voice talent and I didn't recognize that his voice was the same, but he's been part of many Disney characters, such as an early Scrooge McDuck, the White Rabbit and the Dodo in Alice in Wonderland, Mr. Smee and other pirates in Peter Pan, Governor Keith in Ben Enemy, Jock, Joe, Bull, Donchi, and the Irish policeman in Lady and the Tramp, King Hubert in Sleeping Beauty, Ranger Jay, Audubon, Woodlore, and several Donald Dunk and Humphrey the Bear entries. J.J. Fate and the Common Man in his Common Sense with How to Catch a Cold. And Elderly, Spike the Bee in Let's Stick Together. And his last work was Uncle Waldo and The Aristocats. So the voice of Professor Owl has spanned quite a few Disney films as well as other radio comedy shows in the 50s and 60s. Now, going back, Melody and Toot, Whistle, Plunk, and Boom were the only two shorts created for a television series titled Adventures in Music, which was aimed to teach children about the principles of music. So, unfortunately, this series was cut short and Professor Owl was laid off and had to leave the Birdie Schoolhouse. It would take 33 years before Professor Owl found another job and reappeared in the Disney canon as host and theme song leader of the sing-along songs in the 1980s. His catchy theme song music and lyrics are by Patrick de The animation sequence uses recycled animation from his earlier two shorts, Melody and Toot. And Professor Owl and Bertie Burbrain, he's the one with the tall dunce hat in the corner, they are voiced by Corey Burton. He is the third voice actor to play Professor Owl. Corey's voice is also familiar to probably a lot of us. He still is a voice actor for Disney and currently is the voice for Ludwig Von Drake, Captain Hook, Dale, and several other characters from Star Wars, the Clone Wars series, to just name a few. If you were to go on his wiki page, there are bullets and bullet points. Of how many characters he plays. So, Mr. Owl has Professor Owl, I'm sorry, Mr. Owl's from the uh, Tootsie Roll commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Owl has quite a good voice for only appearing in two shorts and then hosting the sing along songs. So, to wrap up, while Professor Owl is no longer hosting sing-along songs, he's lost another job. He he retired. We'll say he retired. His notoriety, notoriety earned him some guest appearances on a TV show that a lot of us, I think, are fans of, Mickey Mouse, House of Mouse. And in that theme song, as well as a couple episodes. And he also was featured in the theme parks as part of a float in Mickey's Soundstational Parade in Disneyland.
2: Fantastic. A uh, really good overview of Professor Al. Do we have any favorite memories or thoughts of this really cool blue character?
0: I didn't realize that he was part of Toot, Whistle, Plunk, and Boom until, I want to say two years ago. They actually did a Disney pin set, um, kind of based on more of those shorts from the like mid-century and he was in the mystery pin set, and I was like, "Wait, that's the single long out. And then that's when I learned <laughs> that they recycled the animation in such a great way. I've, I've since watched uh, that short, and I feel like uh,
1: they they did so appropriately. And it, if you didn't know, you you'd have no idea, like I did. I too recently watched the shorts this past week uh, when I was doing my research. And watching those sequences, even though there was different dialogue going on in the short, I was thinking of the theme song from Sing Along Songs because that's what I know him from. We weren't there in 1953 when this showed on uh, ABC or CBS. I'm not sure which channel it was on. Uh, but I think it's beautiful animation. I love the style, it is very mid century. Uh, the colors are so bright. And the thing I did like, though, about the um, the shorts was there were some different birds. They had a little bit more personality uh, than just, like, the three triplet canaries that we see, and then it's just, like, the whole class. Uh, so it was kind of fun watching the shorts to see the different per- personas that these birds had. Uh, but I just, I enjoyed it. I think it's so fun.
2: Yeah, and, it, you know, it's interesting, too, that you talked about that Adventures in Music series because um, recently I recorded with Didier Yes, the author, and um, he was talking about the Adventures in Music series that was kind of in development uh, for Disney during this period, and to think, wow, this could have been a whole nother line of films, and in a sense, the the, the short that was described, The Two Whistle, Plunk and Boom, was almost kind of like a, a pilot or a test of of sorts of of how this theme, this topic really could have been leveraged. Um, Ultimately, it didn't, but um, it didn't become a big uh, program or or series, but it it served as that infrastructure. And I also have to say, I'm really partial to uh, professorial uh, characters as someone in in academia. So I'm like, oh, I like Professor L and Ludwig von Drake. Um, There's not many of those types of scholarly disney characters but or educational figures i should say but he's kind of cool
0: he does remind me of mr al from the tootsie roll commercial so i understand why emily made that connection there i think they're they're long lost brothers maybe
1: and i saw a fun fact that um have you watched the new three caballeros uh, shorts on disney plus the new animated series
2: no, I haven't.
1: I've only watched the first
0: episode.
1: There's apparently a character, same, I've only watched the first episode, but in my research I saw there's apparently a character that they fashioned after Professor Owl in uh, homage to him. So I have to go back and watch and see where he, he gets a little bit more fame.
2: His legacy lives on, apparently.
1: It does. He needs to get on Disney Plus, though, to really. Yes. Really solidify that legacy.
2: Absolutely. Well, and it wouldn't be cool if um, some version of sing-along songs uh, manifested on Disney Plus as well. Um, but that's for perhaps a, another topic. We we recognize that Professor Owl is a host and and figure associated with sing-along songs, and and I want to give a little bit of background to the series itself. Um, we we have to kind of travel back about. 40 years um, to the early 1980s when Walt Disney Home Video launched, um, it was really a new division, a new uh, space in uh, the Walt Disney Company. Um, really, there was no way of, of being able to relive fav- favorite films unless you watched re-releases in the theaters or um, perhaps even see some of them on television. But, through, but in about 1980 was when Disney initially released on, here's a here's a sense of where we are in time, both VHS and Beta, um, a handful of their hit films from uh, the 50s and 60s and 70s, and their massive popularity um, in sales and rentals really allowed for this division to blossom um, and people would um, People just buy these videos, um, even though they were ridiculously expensive um, in 1980s figures. Today, um, people, you know, it would be just really inhibiting. Um, but this was a really unique way for people to access entertainment again and again. And because of Walt Disney Home Video becoming um, such a big piece of both American life and and also um, Disney revenue, they wanted to explore some different ways of um, leveraging the creations that they had developed over the years. And that kind of serves as the beginnings of sing-along songs. Um, the first video debuted in 1986. Um, that was uh, called zippity doo dah So that was perhaps how um, many uh, young people became familiar with Song of the South and, um, and ultimately the, uh, that, uh, that part of uh, almost erased Disney history by now. Um, so a handful of popular Disney songs, um, in kind of the older days, um, songs like Whistle While You Work from Snow White, and Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo from Cinderella were among the songs on this initial release, um, and over the coming years, there were a number of videos, um, usually a couple of, maybe two videos being released every year, um, each being a compilation of different Disney songs with the lyrics on the screen, of course, hence the name sing-along songs. Um, I love the logo, um, which looks like uh, musical notes as well. Um, so in the, again, this we're talking here now the late 80s, uh, a, a big departure from the traditional set of, of songs was when they released a Very Merry Christmas Songs um, in 1988, which had a lot of uh, Christmas-themed songs, of course. Um, Also, too, and we're going to talk about this in a lot of depth later, the Disneyland Fun video that debuted in 1990 was uh, their foray into taking uh, some familiar Disney songs but placing them in a theme park context. And um, as the 1990s moved forward, there were some uh, changes in terms of the logo and um, kind of the design of the uh, tapes themselves and kind of experimenting by going into some different directions, Uh, we'll uh, talk about Mickey's fun songs in a little bit, which later became incorporated into this. But the Disney sing-along series was a a mainstay in many American households in the 1990s, um, incorporating songs from the Renaissance era with Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King among others. So through the mid late 90s, we saw, um, again, usually one, maybe two VHS releases every year. There was later um, a collection of all-time favorite series which was more of like a, a compilation of songs from different eras. So the Disney sing-along songs was uh, a major part of uh, Disney uh, D- Disney lover households and even people who were just beginning to explore um, Disney in their lives. So um, I I know I was a, f- a fan and, and owned many of these and we'll talk about that but um, it really is a time capsule of sorts and very representative of the era when people were really investing in home entertainment in, in ways that are different from today because, again, there weren't as many mechanisms to be able to acquire uh, entertainment, We not as many ways of experiencing it as we do today with um, just the overwhelming uh, popularity of different... Uh, video game consoles, mind you, there were a lot back then, but it's, I think, more ubiquitous today. Also, too, you know, we live in an era with YouTube and um, the Internet and ways of accessing videos. It was uh, much more limited, um, and thus people placed a lot of attention and love into um, owning the, or, in many cases, renting VHS tapes.
0: Yeah, but I love that you mentioned the first one, uh, the Song of the South, and how that was an exposure. And I think it's not just limited to that film. The great thing about these sing-alongs, though, was that, you know, you get a lot of the classic Disney Renaissance songs, the animation, often bookending, the opening and the closing of these videos. But there was just as much... Uh, live action, I'm kind of going to give away one of my favorites here, but in the Under the Sea, that was my first exposure to 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, because you have Kirk Douglas singing Whale of a Tale, or in mm. um, Friend Like Me, you get The Parent Trap, Let's Get Together. I think those clips were often my first exposure to some of these, you know, iconic Disney live action classics, as well as uh, the importance of songs and animated features.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, for me as well, I think I remember seeing some songs in sing-along songs before I even saw the film. Um, like you, Courtney, it was also my intro to some live-action films. I re- don't remember which, but one of the sing-along songs had um, Beautiful Briny Sea from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I might have botched that title of the song. Uh, but I hadn't seen Bedknobs and Broomsticks but I knew the song and I knew the animation for that one sequence. And then that prompted me to explore that later when I kind of got older, and was like, Oh, I should probably watch this. Uh, So I do remember recognizing a lot of songs going into watching Disney films because I watched sing along songs.
2: I really love how both of you highlighted that point because uh, that's kind of the the beauty of what these, what the series represented. It was that, entry point for films where like oh maybe you maybe one had seen a clip of something on tv or you know maybe a friend owned a video but this served as as a platform for like oh this looks intriguing I wonder what the context of the song is right because that's all we that's all we get we just see the song itself we don't necessarily get the backstory of of what was unfolding in the film in which it comes from.
0: Well, we definitely get a departure from that formula as we move into Mickey's Fun Songs. Uh, so, the Mickey's Fun Songs were a spin off of the popular sing along songs, and these were originally released on VHS just between 1994 and 1995, and these had the distinction of featuring a live cast of our favorite Disney characters along with a revolving group of young kids, definitely taking a page from the Disneyland fun format, which deviates from the one that we were just discussing, but makes it its own series. Um, So Camp Out at Walt Disney World was released in February of 1994, and it features the gang, and it's shot on location at various locations around Walt Disney World, Predominantly at Disney's Fort Wilderness Campground, but also the now defunct River Country and Discovery Island. Uh, So definitely worth checking out. Uh, It's available on YouTube for shots of those now unavailable Disney attractions. And most of the songs in this one are campfire classics like Oh Susanna, Country Roads and Coming Round the Mountain. Uh, But Disney's Bare Necessities makes it into the lineup as the lone Disney song. So not only a departure uh, from what we were talking about in the sense that this is a completely live action uh, compilation, but also we're moving away from mostly Disney songs to really just one or two sprinkled throughout. Also released on the same date was Let's Go to the Circus, and this one featured a partnership with the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. The Fab Five and their friends a glimpse behind the scenes of the circus, and also make their way onto the stage and into the center of the action. And this one is quite a hodgepodge of songs uh, set to different circus performances, like Abba Dabba Honeymoon, The Man on the Flying Trapeze, uh, a disco favorite, Upside Down, uh, and Animal Calypso. I was kind of struggling to find an identifying theme there other than they're set to circus acts. Um, Perhaps most interestingly to me is that it features both Cole Porter's "Be a Clown" and the nearly identical "Make 'Em Laugh" from Singing in the Rain" in two separate segments. Those are two are literally the same tune set to, to different words. Uh, but again, there's one lone Disney song uh, also from the Jungle Book, interestingly, and it's uh, "I Want to Be Like You." And these were shortly followed by "Beach Party" at Walt Disney World in June of 1995, and we get two. Disney songs in this one, uh, Pirate's Life is a Wonderful Life from Peter Pan and Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid, featuring live action appearances uh, of characters from both of those films. Other popular numbers include uh, recent hits of the era like Celebration, Hot, Hot, Hot. And this one films several locations across Walt Disney World. You get both of the other water parks, Typhoon Lagoon and Blizzard Beach. The Peter Pan scene is shot on a pirate boat. But if you look closely, it's World Showcase (laughs) Lagoon. And Epcot is clearly in the background. Uh, It opens with the backlot of what was Disney's MGM Studios at the time. And then scenes across many of the Bay Lake and Seven Seas Lagoon resorts eras. Um, So these have a distinct cover if you happen to have an original copy of those. It kind of has its own color scheme. It often features Mickey with some of the kids, uh, but they were actually quickly rebranded for subsequent releases as part of the official sing-along songs lineup. It's going to use the same font. And I think a few of them are available on DVD now, and they still feature that sing-along song banner uh but those are definitely uh a series that i really enjoyed uh i think as a theme park fan getting to see like oh there there they are at epcot was
1: always really exciting for me as a kid what about you guys um i've always enjoyed the live action ones because like you said it was fun to see the parks especially when you couldn't go and as a kid it was we always watched disneyland fun even though i've never been to disneyland um, while that was part of the original sing it was so much fun to watch those live action ones or beach party where they're all over the parks because that would get me pumped for my trip and I loved watching those uh, and then I got to be friends with them and that was super fun so I have a whole new appreciation for them again now um, after my time working in the parks watching those all over again this week.
2: Yeah and it's so reflective of what the parks were like uh, in the 90s right so Disneyland well, mind you, Disneyland fun was not uh, the fun songs, but that was 1990. And then the fun, the Mickey's fun songs being more in the mid-90s. Wow, it's it's so, it, it shows that it's such a departure of what Disney World is necessarily like today. Mind you, the water parks are fairly consistent, but, um, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, there, Courtney, about like River Country, you know, closed, Discovery Island closed, right? So, it's It's such a cool way of of getting a glimpse into the past of how um, Disney presented these non-theme park spaces, but um, experiences that would be still very immersive and exciting. and And I know as a viewer, um, I never got to experience those particular places, but it was cool to think, wow, these are these are under the Walt Disney World um, umbrella, and pe- people are looking like they're having fun. I'm kind of jealous.
1: Can we talk about the outfits for a second? <laughs>
2: sure.
1: Minnie and Mickey had quite, Donald and Goofy as well, had quite the wardrobe. And I, just, I oh my gosh, I loved it. <laughs> I love
0: Minnie's outfit at the end of uh, Beach Party at Walt Disney World. Yes. It is a very totally Minnie. And I think even though... This is filmed in the mid-90s, 1996. It's very much her, like, late 80s style with the cuffed jeans. She's got, like, the ribbon tied around her head. And I want to put on record that I believe maybe two years ago there was this whole campaign of uh, Minnie was becoming Captain Minnie for Disney Cruise Line, which was absolutely well-deserved, but the PR spin on it was this was the first time Minnie's wearing pants. And I made the joke on Twitter that said, me, an intellectual with a VHS copy of <laughs> of a uh, Beach Party at Walt Disney World, <laughs> not so much because she's absolutely wearing jeans in that clip. And I'm not saying that's the first time she's wearing pants either, but definitely has at least 20 years on that Disney Cruise Line change.
1: I think she was also wearing pants when... I think it's the beginning of that one where they pick up the kids from... Can we also talk about how the parents are totally okay with their kids just... Bye! Minnie and Mickey walking up to them. Hey, <laughs> in, let's go. And the parents, you hear them on the video go, bye, have a good day. I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm not saying Minnie and Mickey are not responsible. I mean, they were how old at this point? They're 90 now. So they can look after body. some kids. But I was just like, whoa, Okay. Good to know parents, but I think going back to the pants, Minnie was wearing pants in a very awesome hat combo that matched Mickey, and it was like that splatter paint style. Yes, couple goals. Matching track suits
0: and velour hats or something.
2: Well, I guess... Two things to follow up on on that, because I can't say I necessarily was thinking about discussing that topic, but it's very worthwhile. I think for one, it makes me jealous that uh, some of the theme park outfits are not as varied and creative as the ones that were depicted in the videos with some of the main characters. Yes. Yeah. and and another thing, kind of to the point, as far as like Mickey and Minnie whisking the kids off to go on adventures, I kind of had the same thing in reflecting back on the Pongo and Perdita video with all the kids going over to that woman's house with all the Dalmatians. Like, oh, that's totally fine. <laughs> so, yeah, there there are definitely some uh, interesting uh, perspectives that could be had on on how uh, how kids were living their their free days, free afternoons.
0: Yeah, that Ponga Perdido Perdita one definitely takes us, I'd say, into the back half of these sing-along songs. I feel like we're all kind of in agreement that, aside from Mickey's Fun Songs, like, that's kind of where our sing-along knowledge dropped off. We had all of those leading into Mickey's Fun Songs. And I think we're, we're all at the same age, and our parents must have had copies from the late 80s, early 90s, and that's what we watched over and over, and it It seems like post-1997, like, my family stopped collecting them. Not that I was at an age that I I was still enjoying them, but I just enjoyed the copies that we had. Uh, But we still get a few more after that Mickey's Fun Songs. Um, Up through 1999, uh, there's Honor to Us All, which was a Mulan one, but I didn't own it. Uh, Happy Haunting Party at Disneyland, also 1998, and Flick's Musical Adventure at Disney's Animal Kingdom, very much in the vein of those Mickey's Fun songs, but not included in that lineup um, or Disneyland Fun where it's a live-action romp through Animal Kingdom set to those songs. Uh, Then we kind of take a pause after 1999. That's really the end of that sing-along song line. Um, Up until the early 2000s when it returns in 2003 with Sing a Song with Pooh Bear and Piglet 2. That's a collection all of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, themed songs and titles. Um, and that's followed by On My Way in 2003, centered around Brother Bear and Little Patch of Heaven in 2004 for Home on the Range. And then there's three volumes of Disney Princess collections between 2004 and 2006. Um, and also in the early 2000s, you see the re-release of many of these possible these popular titles on DVD for the first time. Uh, but other than that, it it kind of ends there. But I think that also, if if you think about it, that mirrors what Disney animation was doing at the time. Disney animation started to move away from their, their musical format of the, the Disney Renaissance or even those early films. So it makes sense like you're not going to really make a sing-along song about Atlantis or, or treasure planet. Um, um, It would be interesting to see if we get another, maybe even a Renaissance of Disney sing-along songs. Now that we have such great, titles like princess of the princess and the frog tangled and frozen uh to pull from not just to update a princess thing i'm sure you could pull some of the songs from like the scene in wreck it ralph sequel ralph breaks the internet like there's there's definitely more to work with now so i'd love to see a resurgence but unfortunately by by 2006 it's done which is so sad
2: yeah I, uh, I, I lamented the demise of sing-along songs, too, um, because, yeah, you're kind of right there. Once, really, I think Tarzan must have been the last, tra- well, not even traditional musical, because the characters aren't singing per se, but, yeah, Mulan and Tarzan were at the end of that period and took another decade until we saw the resurgence of the Disney animated musical.
1: And I wonder if there is, with our new... Disney Plus and streaming platforms, is there a space for sing-along songs to bring those back? Or do you think now it's just go watch the film?
0: I think we'll get to some modern ingenuity. But honestly, even with these old ones, I'd love to see them on Disney Plus to prepare for this episode um, I was pulling some on YouTube, and you're fortunate enough to find quite a few of them in their full 30-minute segment. But I will say I wanted to watch Under the Sea, and I had to find it in three different parts on YouTube. Because whoever uploaded it did so 10 years ago, and you're only allowed, like, 10-minute videos on YouTube, and that was a struggle. So put them
1: on Disney+. I also spent time on YouTube. I have a bunch of them at my parents'. I can picture them. In our VHS cabinet, we still have our old VHS cabinet that I've had ever since I can remember, and they were always on the top two shelves in order. I had to keep them in number. They had numbers on the spines. I had to keep them in number order, Um, but I have not been back to New Jersey to grab them, so I, too, also had to be on YouTube to watch a lot of these.
2: For sure. We have to be resourceful, and, uh, yeah, thankfully, some of them are available on there, and I and it kind of sets a nice mood and, and tone for for reflecting back on the series. And uh, I know we also wanted to touch briefly on the format of the videos because um, there are some traditions or or typical elements associated with them. Um, so on the host front, I know um, Emily wanted to uh, kind of expand on this point beyond uh, just Professor L. Yes.
1: Yeah, so- Every, I think every, almost every single sing-along song opens with the sing-along song theme song, which is hosted by Professor Owl. And he served as a host, but he was not the only host. We have two other main hosts and then a spackling of others. Uh, so Jiminy Cricket uh, was cited as being host or co-host of five volumes of sing-along songs, as well as Professor Ludwig von Drake. He hosted um, six or co-hosted six Um and they're kind of all over the place. Uh, Louis von Drake, it looks like he's mostly in the late 80s to early 90s, but then he pops up in Colors of the Wind in 95. And Jiminy Cricket, he's kind of spanning this the spectrum here. I found one's Bare Necessities in 1987, so pretty early in the series. Um, but then he also has some in Friend Like Me and Circle of Life in 93 and 94. Ah, uh, so he also kind of spanned in and out, so it's not a consistent. Professor Owl is the host, and then we transition to someone else, depending on the volume, it could change. Um, and then we've talked about some of those other sing along songs that Courtney mentioned, as of two thousand three, two thousand six. Um, Brother Bears on My Way. This has a new opening sequence, and Sebastian is the host in the beginning, uh, with the song, and then hosted by. Rut and Took, uh, so characters from the film. Home on the Range was hosted by Maggie the Cow, and then we get no hosts for the Disney Princess Sing-Alongs. So Professor Owl really transitions out completely by the late 90s, maybe early 2000s. Flick makes an appearance in Flick's Musical Adventure. He's the host in 1999. Uh, So by 1999, we are not seeing Professor Owl anymore. Uh, But we do have a range of other hosts. But we've seen Jiminy Cricket and Professor Ludwig von Drake host lots of things. Not just sing-along songs, but also um, Courtney on our episode, Fun and Fancy Free. He was the host there. Ludwig von Drake has also popped in host hosts different television shorts. Um, so I think all three of these, Owl, uh, Jiminy Cricket, Professor Ludwig von Drake. You can't say his name. Just like you have to say the whole thing. Um, they have quite a career in hosting. They're the Neil Patrick Harris of Disney.
2: <laughs> oh I love that reference. Yes.
1: <laughs> Even Neil Patrick Harris. Hosted Disney things. So you know what. They, they can all be friends together.
0: Very true. I'd love to know. If you guys have a host. That you like best. Looking back on all of these. Uh.
1: Professor Owl's my favorite. I can't see anyone else. Like thinking of. Sebastian doing the opening song. I like don't picture it. I can't. Um, not that I've seen it. I'm not saying it wasn't wonderful, but Owl is just so iconic to me in the beginning. But I think all of them can be really fun. They're different enough that you can enjoy all of them on screen.
2: Yeah, same here. I think of, like, a common thread across um, across Professor Owl Cricket and uh, Jiminy Cricket, of course, and Ludwig von Drake is that they're all kind of, like, educational figures. And um, they're, they're always there to kind of teach you something or a lesson. So I like I like the similarities across them, but I'm probably most partial to Professor Al just because of him being more iconic and salient. Um, that said, Jimmy Cricket's probably one of my all-time favorite Disney characters. So the fact that he appeared in several videos um, is also etched in, in my memory too.
0: I'm giving it up to Professor Al because I honestly forgot the other two hosted these until we started preparing for this episode and you included that in our notes and I was like oh my gosh they did and I I think that's due to where my bias skews, which is I absolutely love Disneyland fun we're gonna get to it I keep teasing it uh but he he's the host of that one and so because if you were to compare like my watch numbers across them, like that's leagues above the others, I just associate him. He's in the opening of the majority of them, though the hosts transition. But I think because he's our narrator throughout that one, he's most prevalent in my memory. Um, aside from the two, I actually, I think I prefer Ludwig von Drake over Jiminy Cricket, just because I feel like we don't often get to see a lot from Ludwig von Drake. And he has... A little bit more silliness that lends itself to these sing-along songs for children. Like, I don't know. This is going to be controversial. This is my hot take. Jiminy Cricket is a little stuffy, and I think <laughs> Ludwig von Drake does a better job there. I said it. Sorry. Please don't take away my Disney fan card. But I, I prefer him. If I had to rank them, Jiminy would be at the bottom.
2: It will be revoked on Monday.
0: <laughs> uh oh. I think wow. he's a wonderful host of Wishes, okay? He's, he does
1: great at that. But for his for sing-along songs, I like Ludwig a little better. You know, I might have to agree with your hot take. Um, Jiminy Cricket's very whimsical. He's got that that dreamer. He sings when you... Or he's part of when you wish upon a star. Like, th- I see where you're coming from. Whereas von Drake, you know, you want to just have fun with kids. He's kooky and silly and... He makes random things explode on screen like an old, you know, cartoon. So he's really fun to have. And you're right. I don't think we do see a lot of him. He's in a very select group of, like, with Scrooge. Unless Donald's getting the family together, you're not seeing them very much. Um, So it is nice that he has another place to be. And I think he also made a lot of appearances on House of Mouse. Like, he had a bigger role there as well. I I love House of Mouse.
2: Yes, I was going to say there were at least one or two episodes where he was so prominently featured and created his own songs. And I have to say, he was kind of condescending in that episode, I remember, where he was just kind of listing every single Disney character in the House of Mouse. And it was kind of like to kind of show off his uh, his brilliance. So he's an awesome character, but yes, he he has some of those qualities at times. <laughs>
0: What I also find interesting about the format of these sing-along songs is that even within the same video, they kind of mis- mix up how you're falling along. You have the classic, like, following the bouncing balls, but you also have what I call, like, karaoke edition, where... There's a font and it's displaying the relevant lyrics on screen, but it it changes color as you hit that word. I think it's interesting that it's it. There's not a lot of consistency between that.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. And I I was thinking back even to because Disneyland funds my main reference for I guess various reasons. But even the Grim Grinning O song, there's a sequence I should say. It's a jumping uh, pumpkin or jack o' lantern. So. They find different ways of spinning it up. So, for for people who love looking at different fonts and typography, just watch sing-along songs. It will it will fill that uh, void in your life.
1: Watching some of these, I can't decide which I like better because I do like the fun bouncing balls that they choose because it isn't always the same. However, when the song is really fast paced and that is bouncing across the screen, it is really distracting. (laughs) Uh, Or at least I found it distracting. So I think for readability, the highlighting of the words I think might be better. Like you said, karaoke format might be a little bit easier to follow and not as distracting because you have a moving ball, plus the moving screen behind you, and the words. So I feel like it can be a lot, as much as I like the fun little figures they pick out.
0: When I picture sure. sing-alongs though, I absolutely picture the bouncing ball. Like, oh yes. That is the, the iconic. Like, mm-hmm. I think if, if anyone's gonna spoof it or parody it, you've got to include the, the bouncing ball.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I know um, in thinking about the format of the videos, um, we've talked about the hosts and the lyrics. Um, The length typically being about a half hour long, um, very easy to digest and and watch on repeat. Um, I know, Courtney, you had posed some good questions for us to think about. Um, Would you like to maybe share a couple more of those?
0: Sure. Um, I'd love to know, just going off of what you said about the length, what do you all think of that? To me, it's a perfect sweet spot, but I'll let you all wax poetic or disagree if you you have any other further hot takes.
1: You know, for what I said earlier, when I questioned, is there a place to bring back sing-along songs, I really think there is. I'm thinking about how I used to watch them. Whenever I would beg my parents, my sister and I, you know, can we watch a movie before bed? They would say, sure, and put on a sing-along, which we thought was a full movie, but it was 25 to 30 minutes. (laughs) Um, Good job, mom and dad. You've had us fooled. Um, I think there is a spot. Like you said, it's that sweet spot that sometimes... Um, even when I just turn on Disney plus or pick a Disney movie just to watch, to have in the background, what you're looking for really is the songs. So how great would that be if we had them on Disney plus or more of them came out on DVD that, you know, for those parents that I don't want to watch a full film or start an animated series where then, you know, you start binge watching, but something that you can start and stop. Sing along songs are great.
2: Well, I think also, you know, you're what you're hitting at there. I think um, too, Emily, is I like, think of how most children's shows are 22 minutes long, right? So it's it's very consumable. Um, yeah, there's some exceptions. There's some hour-long or closer to an hour-long uh, piece of programming, but that is kind of a sweet spot, um, especially accounting for children's attention spans, quite honestly. And and that's drastically changed in the era of YouTube and the digital age that we occupy now. So I think the the length is probably pretty ideal. And, you know, who knows, maybe if it was on a digital platform, like uh, a streaming platform, I should say, like Disney Plus, maybe they would be even a bit shorter, or maybe they would be broken up into like two or three song sequences, who knows?
0: I think Emily made a good point about the bedtime piece. Uh, we were watching Under the Sea on YouTube yesterday as we prepared for this episode and doug mentioned that he was responsible for watching his niece who was uh, like a few years younger than him like you can just you know babysitting within the family and we were watching the under the sea the second to last song is someone's waiting for you from the rescuers which is a much slower song and i was like oh like this one like really brought down the mood and Doug's like they knew what they were doing that's the we're gonna lull you to to sleep song so I think I think Disney was in on the the bedtime kick there uh but for me I think the the format as you've all said is a really good length um I like to think of these as the after party (laughs) video which I'll explain uh Emily I'm gonna take you back to our college days uh, for anyone who's not familiar um Emily and I went to college together and my apartment that I had junior and senior year, I had a VHS rack and a VCR player, which was quite a hit anytime anyone came over to hang out. Uh, so I'd let our guests pick often. They'd pick like the Lion King or Beauty and the Beast, but I had all of our sing along song VHSs, So it was kind of nice. when you're like, all right, we've watched all of Beauty and the beast, but maybe you're not quite ready to leave yet. But like, let's still hang out. the, these sing-along songs are like a nice way to wrap it up you're like all right we're hanging out we're watching this like all right this is a half hour still keeping our fun disney watch mood going but after this half hour it's time to go home <laughs> <laughs> i think we watched disneyland fun together quite a few times at my apartment
1: quite a few and i think particularly when you knew you were going on your college program we went on Definitely. a kick
0: yeah I started watching all the, the Disney documentaries on YouTube, the sing-alongs. I was I was getting myself pumped.
2: That's awesome. I definitely know uh where I should have been hanging out. Maybe I should have just transferred <laughs> to
0: Yeah, when yeah. I said after party, it wasn't my like preacher, It was literally just Emily and I sitting in my living room watching Disney movies. <laughs> so you were trying to kick me out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, it was like weird, weird, we're done. But I enjoy hanging out with you. It's so like let's watch something else. But we're not going to invest in a whole another ninety minute. I know, I'm
1: teasing you. <laughs> so.
0: Hey, you came over and watched Great mounts Detective and made me chicken pot pie.
1: So no. Complaints. I did. I forgot that I cooked in your apartment a couple times. Very nice. We had fun. This was our version of like a Saturday night in College yeah. Park. We were like, ooh, Disney movies and home cooked meals. <laughs>
0: Good times. Uh, what I'd also love to know in terms of format, um, what your preferences were for live action versus animated compilations. Do you guys skew one way or the other? You're like, I love them all.
1: Brett, I'll let you go first this time.
2: <laughs> okay. I was, uh, no, that's totally fine. Well, I think for me, I probably lean more toward the live action fair because. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, that was my exposure to the Disney theme park spaces. And um, at least in my really young years, I hadn't yet been there. So I didn't go to Disneyland until I was four. So that would have been 96. So yeah, uh, and I didn't go to Walt Disney World until 99. So uh, for me, that, that sense of novelty that I couldn't get in really any other space unless I was watching a television special that was... Um, set at the Disney theme parks. I'm not sure if either of you um, had Disney, the Disney Channel um, growing up, but for me, the big show there was Walt Disney World Inside Out, um, and that was just a cool preview of of Walt Disney World. So I just I was so uh, enthralled in in the live action, uh, the real world stuff because i I couldn't um, I, I couldn't experience it in any other capacity during those during that period. So. For me, that was uh, my greatest joy.
1: I think I would also have to err on the side of the live action for the same purposes of just, I don't think I realized how much I loved the parks because I would call myself more of a parks fan now than I was as a kid. Um, But it was something that you didn't see all the time while I watched animated films all the time. However, I do remember... Um, with one of my best friends growing up, she lived across the street. We watched sing along songs all the time and not only when it was before bedtime, but we would like put on little concerts <laughs> in my living room. Um, so I definitely had some animated ones that we preferred. I don't remember which ones, the set of songs. Cause I know there was like one or two tapes that were just constantly out, um, on probably Lion King. Cause she loved Lion King. Um, but they were just constantly out on, like, they didn't go back in the VHS, you know, cabinet. They stayed on top of the VCR because we watched them so many times and just kept having concerts and choreographing dances to Disney songs in my living room. Um, so I think in today's terms, I would lean towards the live action. But I know I had a lot of good times and fun memories with the animated sing-along songs. What about you, Courtney?
0: Yeah, I absolutely loved the animated ones, but I have to, if I had to pick between the two, it's the live action. Though I'm going to take this to another 90s piece. I absolutely loved Barney as a child of the 90s, and I feel like the live action are very reminiscent of Barney. You have a group of young kids who are probably like, you know, a few years older than me, so I'm idolizing them, and you have the characters in an accessible format that is very reminiscent of Barney. Like, you might have seen mickey and minnie on your favorite cartoons but like that's mickey and minnie and they're hanging out with these kids at walt disney world or disneyland um so i i correlate the two of those interests very strongly from my childhood
2: wow you know, never, oh god i'm sorry go ahead right i was just gonna say i i had. Uh, never made that connection either but i was a huge barney kid like up until yes. maybe five or six so like mid late 90s and for me also to sesame street mind you yes. not the huge huge live you know characters like a, a big purple green dinosaur but um but yeah that just the notion of kids interacting with inanimate figures that felt real and um and i think that's maybe the thread here and also really just maybe illustrative of the era because we don't see as much of that presently, at least not a, among a lot of the um, new children's programming, I'd imagine. now
0: you lose like the amazing puppetry of things like Bear in the Big Blue House or even before our time on Disney Channel, but I've now since revisited um, the Winnie the Pooh and Friends and Dumbo's Circus, like those,
1: those live characters are, are so magical. I think you're right. It's that fantasy crossing into our reality that really to a kid you're like it is real look they're in spaces that I go to that I know what this is and I can go there too so I think you've hit the nail on the head there Courtney that that magic that comes with it yeah and I'm also a big fan of the park so I
0: didn't visit Disneyland until I was 13 but I was fortunate enough to grow up visiting Disney Walt Disney World annually and I remember being confused as a child I was like we don't have submarines and my mom having to be like that's a different place but I will tell you when I went to Disneyland at 13 Disneyland fun was at the forefront of my mind like I went to Tom Sawyer's Island and I was like this is where the country bears were hanging out with those kids and I was just so hyped to relive all of my Disneyland fun memories from the video in real life. So, Emily, we will get you to Disneyland one day. And you, too, will have that joy.
1: And then I can sit in, on Main Street and eat uh, Mickey waffles. And hope Winnie the Pooh doesn't sneak up behind me and steal my food. You can walk down
0: the <laughs> middle of, of Main, Main Street. Street. Okay. So, <laughs> a funny story
1: about that. Um, I know we were going to talk about our favorite tapes. And, obviously, for all of us, Disneyland fun is our favorite tape. Um, but... In my preparation for my audition for the Disney College program, I'm reading stuff about what to expect in auditions, and they said, parade choreography. So what parade choreography did I pull up to attempt to learn and practice? Like, what could happen in a Disney parade audition? I watched Disneyland Fun walking down the middle of Main Street USA <laughs> in my living room in college. <laughs> so... It served a lot of good beyond just reminiscing about parks. It helped me prepare for my college program audition.
2: See, it was an educational video, even if it was not labeled as such.
1: Yes, absolutely. Great dancing. Lots of fun. Also, first introduction to Roger Rabbit before ever seeing Who Framed Roger Rabbit.
2: Yeah, same here.
1: (laughs) And I've always wondered, I was like, because... By the time we were all going to the parks or could remember really going to the parks, he was not a big character anymore, and I had always wondered what happened to Roger Rabbit, and I can trace my fascination with that character back to Disneyland fun.
2: Oh, pretty that's pretty interesting and you know, I think it we, and we've all kind of talked about this already. I want to just briefly mention um or all of us mention really the types of videos um the way I kind of framed it is that they fall into one of three three categories um, being themed around the films. Um, that was con- really accounted for the vast majority of the tapes, um, theme park based ones, um, some of the ones that uh, were mentioned as Mickey's Fun Songs originally, and then you have Disneyland Fun, and the one with Flick at Animal Kingdom, um, among a few others. Um, and then there were some kind of miscellaneous tapes. So there was one I, I uh, referenced this earlier, there was one that debuted shortly after the release of the live action 1996 101 Dalmatians uh, production, so this was themed around Pongo and Perdita um, and the Dalmatians and there were tons of dogs in it and as a big dog uh, person uh, that was uh, one of my favorites for sure, Um, but yeah, the the tapes uh definitely varied in in terms of the focus. There wasn't necessarily a one-size-fits-all approach to how they were constructed and certainly as the series evolved, um as was mentioned earlier um in the history segment, um they really experimented with the 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 locations and the spaces that they wanted to highlight from a music standpoint.
1: I really think a lot of the theme park projects is also just brilliant brilliant marketing. Because as you're a kid watching this over and over in your house, um, even the earliest one, so Zippity-Doo-Dah, the first sing-along song, had um, It's a Small World as the second lineup after zippity doo or It was in the first like three songs, and it was footage from Disneyland. So even before these park-themed specific tapes, we still see some integration of the theme parks. And what a great marketing tool that at home you keep watching this, and then your kid goes, "I want to go there, I want to go there, I want to go there," and you finally go
2: yeah it's it's yeah, you're absolutely right and and also makes me think of, and it was more popular during this period, but Disney on ABC annually had the Christmas parade and an Easter parade, so there were yes. different ways of in which people would be exposed to the parks um very limited means mind you back um, in the late 80s and 90s but there were still different platforms and you're right about the single long tapes serving as that gateway to, to have that desire to experience that like the the kids in the video
1: absolutely and i i miss those parades we've really evolved from the 90s and early 2000s of how they used to market the parks using entertainment that way um it's more towards I think, a traditional commercial now versus let me give you a full-on experience on tape or on TV. Uh, But I think that's why we like those theme park tapes so much. Like we said, that integration of seeing your fantasy on screen, um, Mickey and Minnie interacting with you and other kids. Um, Even though the film ones were great and it introduced us to lots of other films and animation and gave you those nice snippets and earworms, there was just something about those park tapes, those park projects.
0: I love that they're time capsules too, as we kind of alluded to earlier, like Discovery Island and River Country are gone, but they live on in Mickey's fun songs.
2: Absolutely. Well, let's maybe transition over to our favorite tapes. And it was made already abundantly clear what all three of us (laughs) had as our favorite (laughs) tapes. So let's, Let's dive into a a video that celebrates its 30th anniversary this year, Disneyland Fun. So um, let's just dive right into this uh, hallmark uh, release for, for all of us for many different reasons.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love this one. And I have to say this might be one of the most thoughtful gifts anyone's ever given me. I certainly had this on VHS, loved it as a child. And then I've alluded to that my family kept the VCR for many years, kind of past its prime. I took it to college. Emily and I watched Disneyland fun there. Uh, when I was in high school, I shared a room with my stepsister and we had the V VCR in our bedroom. And sometimes if I was just like feeling sad, we'd put on Disneyland fun <laughs> to feel better as a little escape. Um, so I guess before I moved to Florida for my birthday, she gave me the re-released copy of Disneyland Fun on DVD so that I could continue to have it with me. And I thought that was absolutely sweet of her. I believe the DVD was reissued as part of Disneyland's 50th, um, but still readily available to find. Uh, Fun fact, though, if you switch the region to France, it plays... The French spinoff of Disneyland fun that takes place at Disneyland Paris which is like almost shot for shot the same movie with a few different songs but just in Disneyland Paris which is absolutely wild
1: oh when you showed me that feature you told me about that and last summer it was on before Disney plus we had Disney now which was like their cable streaming service it's like Disney channel um So I was with one of my friends, and I told her that fun fact. She was like, no way. And I was like, yes, absolutely. This is my uh, college program roommate. I'm up in Boston, her apartment. She's like, okay, well, Disneyland Fun is on uh, Disney now. Let's see if, you know, we change the language or whatever. And it did it. And we were blown away. It was so much fun to watch because neither of us had been to Disneyland Paris So it was really fun to see what that park looks like in all of its early nineties. It would have just opened when they were making that film, uh, glory. So it was fantastic. Absolutely blew my mind.
2: That's absolutely incredible. I know, uh, i know i always desired after disneyland fun debuted i'm like why is there not a california adventure edition (laughs) mind you 2001 they were already phasing out the series but i'm like oh i want to see more parks and more songs and disneyland fun really established that foundation uh i was always so disappointed when i first visited disneyland and that was 96, so six years had elapsed since the filming of the of the tape, and I'm like, "Where's the people mover? Why don't I see the Skyway? These um these very kinetic elements of the park that are that no longer exist, uh, very very upsetting, <laughs> and I'm sure many other kids felt that way too about certain experiences that were no longer in the parks."
1: Yeah,
0: there's that iconic shot of the submarine voyage coming out of its waterfall in one of the songs. And by the time I got there in 2005 for the 50th, the lagoon was dug up and they were preparing for Finding Nemo. But I subsequently returned in 2016, 17 and 18. And the yellow subs are restored to their former glory for the Finding Nemo submarine voyage. And I Absolutely, took a picture of the submarine coming out of the waterfall purely because it reminded me of Disneyland fun.
1: Do you guys have a favorite song from Disneyland fun, a favorite sequence for me? It's Grim Grinning Ghosts, but I chalk that up to my love of spooky things in general and Halloween.
0: Um, I think that one's so distinct because it transitions it to nighttime that's clearly shot after hours in the park and it's fun to see a lot of the disney villains that you don't actually get to meet in the park often like the big bad wolf uh maleficent's face is really oily just super random (laughs) observation but that that sticks with me uh i think it's also really cute to see donald in that one when he's dressed as a ghost Um, he's so cute so grim grinning ghosts is probably my favorite and then i definitely teared up at the end watching it in my apartment before I moved to Florida for my college program for the whole one, You Wish Upon a Star and Mickey's doing the fireworks out of his fingers and I was like oh my gosh. It's pretty fantastic. They're coming true. Uh, all around great but th- those two really stick out for me. What about
1: you? For me this is tough so I think in retrospect I love When You Wish Upon a Star just because it is so beautiful but I think as a kid I was like oh it's the end of the movie. Darn. Um, I have I'm looking at the list right now and it's like killing me. I think Walking I'm Walking Right Down the Middle of Main Street USA very long title um, is my favorite but it took me a while to realize that that's the fourth song. This has a lot of songs. This film has 13. That's quite a 30 minute jam-packed singing extravaganza here Um, but the opening sequence from the disneyland sing-along songs theme we start with whistle while you work step in time and then walking right down the middle of main street those three just run right into each other there's no like storybook transition that we see with the other ones they just all keep going so i always loved the opening sequence but didn't realize they were separate songs really i thought it was just kind of like a medley that all squished together
2: yeah, it is really packed tight for sure. Uh, I think for me, I would probably go with Whistle While You Work. Um, while it's maybe not my favorite song individually, it just um, as a song, even though it's obviously a wonderful song, I guess I just love it from the standpoint of setting up the tone of the video and just imagining that the Disney characters themselves are the cast members and that who are preparing all of our experiences for the day. So the notion of... Of them uh, setting up the 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 plushes and, and stuffed animals in the streets on Main Street, and of course Donald Duck uh, putting his own um, his own uh, little toys and and plushes uh, <laughs> instead, knocking off um, the Mickey themed ones, which of course is uh, in tune with the character. the The idea of I think Goofy's on the train at one point, and you have Chip and Dale who are sweeping outside of Star Tours with the uh, 90s colors of Tomorrowland with the very sleek white um, uh, border of the building. So I I just, for me, that's what gets me in the mood because it makes me think of a time where I probably thought to myself as I watched this, wow, the Disney characters are actually setting up the theme parks for the day. That's pretty cool.
1: This is also where we get a different version of zippity Doodah. It's like a little bit more upbeat, not the dance one that loves to get posted around Twitter um, with like the construction workers dancing, uh, but we get a different rendition of zippity doo da. and I just remember watching that and not realizing it was a different song because I knew the sing-along first before I ever rode the attraction.
2: That is kind of fun too, right? Because they spin it. I I remember um, and, and I watched the, the song recently too. It's almost like a, a very hip version of Zippity Doo Like there's a bit of maybe hip hop and um it's it's very reflective of the time period, right? It's not traditional.
0: Well, I think it's clear just New had fun is our unanimous favorite. But I'd love to know what other stuff stuck out to you, you know, in your youth watching these, what were what were some of our other favorites?
2: Brett, why don't you go first? Yeah, so uh, needless to say, I selected another theme park uh, based video. I went with the beach party at Disney World and um, I, yeah, some of those I, even though I haven't watched the video in full um, in in quite a while, I have it forever um, embedded in my memory. So uh, when you, when it was mentioned earlier about the set your name free I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I could probably sing all of that. I, I'd rather not, but I could. Uh, and I, I just, I, I've never actually, so here's a Disney confession, I've never been to a Disney water park, but uh, I absolutely loved getting to see those uh, environments as a child. And I also like the idea of, again, the, the, the kids in the videos, not only hanging out with the characters like you know goofy and and Donald, the the ones that are um, we, we can't see their um, the faces, but we see Ariel and Aladdin and Jasmine come in with a, a rock sequence at the end, like, uh, and and then you have some of the pirates. like so it's a different level of interaction with characters than I think what may have been uh, demonstrated in the earlier videos. So um, for me, I just I, i loved immersing myself in, in that space and thinking that I could be hanging out with them. Um, and, and the songs are just ultra fun. You know, you, we have a couple Disney songs. There's Part of Your World, which is, of course, a classic, but um, Celebration, uh, so, you know, not just uh, Disney-created uh, songs, um, and, and then there's some children's songs as well. So it's kind of a nice hodgepodge of sorts.
1: The girl Tiffany? kills it in all of those films all of the mickey mouse fun ones she was also her and a number of this other kids were also part of kids songs which was another like sing-along songs group and i didn't make the connection that it was the same a lot of the same kids but when i watched these this past week i found like a playlist of um the camp out circus and beach party and those kids were selling it I was, like, super pumped watching them. Um, it was super fun. Uh, but for some reason, Tiffany's the one that sticks out to me. Probably because I think she looks like Allison Stoner from
0: oh, she other does. Disney
1: channels. Song- I was like, no way, is that her? And I had to IMDb it and realize that was not her. Um, but it made me wonder, you know, thinking where I am after watching all these, where are these kids now? I
0: noticed across all three, the kid Toby was in it. And so I joked to Doug, the devil works hard, but Toby's agent works harder because (laughs) he was also across each of them. Randomly, Taj Mowry, though, is in the circus one. Like I'd say that's probably the biggest name to come from Mickey's Fun Songs. But after the circus, he was done. He didn't come back for the beach party. He was too busy with Smart Guy, I guess. He's a smart guy. Also on
2: Disney Plus, right? Yes. (laughs) yes also Um, can i can i just throw in as far as the kids celebrities did you guys ever watch the airbud films
1: only the first one very 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 long time ago
2: so one of the child actors from i don't think she was in the first couple of films but the some subsequent ones like Mm -hmm. world pup and um the the baseball themed one caitlin uh Walks, I think, is the last name. So she was in the beach, uh, beach party one. So I remember, mind you, this was maybe a few years before the Bud films. But yeah, they they found some child actors who had uh, some degree of careers after after these videos.
0: That's the best thing about IMDb. You're like, where are they now? Let's see. Do they have an IMDb page, or are they not relevant at all? <laughs>
2: Yeah, and and you know if um, for just going back to the Disneyland Fun for a second, there was a great episode of the Tierra Talk Show uh, podcast um, from late 2017, which actually features some of the uh, some of the people featured in those videos, the the kids and uh, I can't remember if any of the adults too, um, but I uh, have it up right here, episode 185 of the Tierra Talk Show interview with the cast of. Disney sing-along songs, Disneyland Fun. And I remember listening it to it, listening to it at the time thinking, oh my gosh, they're adults now.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to find that. I, I need to listen to that. That's amazing. Um, I want to transition to one of my favorite ones is the 12 Days of Christmas. Um, this was one of the other live action. It came out in uh, 1994, had lots of christmas songs this is the whole reason i know the words to the 12 days of christmas is because of mickey and minnie and all of their friends um i think it's one of the first times i saw scrooge mcduck because he's in there there's a lot of characters huey doing Louie, um chip and dale i don't think max makes an appearance but this is also where we see the reindeer which have become like and all of the characters that are like famous in the uh Christmas Day parade like the toy soldiers and the uh snowmen those get featured um in here comes Santa Claus at the end. So I have a lot of fond memories of knowing those characters and then getting to work in the parks and seeing the Christmas Day parade in person, seeing them live was really fun. Uh but I just really enjoyed that one. We watch it every Christmas and it was a lot of fun. Did you guys watch this one?
0: I have a fun story about that one. Um, So on my college program, my mom actually arrived the day after Christmas and stayed for a few days. So even though I was working in the parks, I did get to stay with her at Old Key West. And most of my shifts, CPs also stands for closing parks, uh, was in the evening. So I got to spend the day with her. We'd hang out at the Old Key West pool. And this was also definitely a staple in our home around Christmas time. And my mom and I are just sitting at the pool in the Florida sun, as one does and all of a sudden we start hearing the, you're not going to hear me riff, but the in the snow one when they're snow tubing and then hip hop Noel. And my mom and I are like, wait, this is from that sing along. Like, have not heard that anywhere else in probably 20 years at that point. Um, and so we were so excited that they were actually playing that randomly as the soundtrack by the pool.
2: Oh, that's so fun. How awesome.
1: Hip hop Noel was a good one absolutely there so was you there was some real gems on here i also really liked goofy's i'd like to have an elephant for christmas very like broadway show stopping he's in like coat and tails yes. like dancing with a giant elephant which looks like the elephants from jungle book in care in real life character form um Super fun. I thought it was very clever and well done. I don't think it takes place anywhere specifically other than that one sequence where Here Comes Santa Claus where they're in Disneyland.
0: I joked in our document as we were preparing that in addition to Disneyland fun, you two stole my other two favorites, but we all have great taste. Uh, So I'm going to give some love to our animated film mashups uh, and my personal favorite of those is under the sea from 1990 i think that's just a really nice mix of of course little mermaid you get the classic animation you get some uh, never Smile at crocodile from peter pan and that's what makes the world go round from sword of the stone uh, but this actually had the distinction of being the first disneyland sing-along song To not be solely Disney songs, so they start to lean on some of those like I don't know what do you want to call them sea shanties, um, like sailing, sailing, and um, at the codfish ball I don't believe is a Disney song. Uh, They pulled those in and they animate. They use animation from different Disney shorts and clips and kind of set them to different sea music which is fun uh but like emily said i think that was your first exposure to beautiful briny sea that's uh where that one is and uh whale of a tale for me it was like oh there's Twenty Thousand leagues i love that and that was definitely my first exposure so wanted to give kudos to that one um and mickey's fun songs i ultimately think i like camp out at walt disney world a lot but i I lost that VHS as a child. So I only remember watching it once and like having this distant memory of it. So the other that stands out from my childhood is Let's Go to the Circus. Um, I definitely watched that one a lot.
2: Yeah, no no shortage of favorites, right? When there's so many that we can choose from and then particular sequences from each that um, that we have such a fondness toward.
1: Yeah, and... Like me, I'm guessing when you guys went back to watch some of these, like Beach Party, I totally forgot about the name song that I sang at the top of this episode. But as soon as Tiffany and Brandon were like, I'm Brandon, Tiffany, I knew all the words. It all came flooding back. <laughs> I was like, oh no. And that's why it's been stuck in my head all week. But same for all of these, rewatching 12 Days Christmas, Hip Hop Noel came back to me. Um, a lot of these different... Songs that aren't traditionally in the animated films that we keep rewatching as we go down the Disney uh, binging of animated films. Um, So I hope, like you or like me, all of you had that same experience where they all just kind of came back to you.
2: I think that also just illustrates, Emily, the effect of watching certain pieces of entertainment so many times that um, it's it's kind of like riding a bicycle and you haven't. Maybe you know you haven't done it in a number of years for some, and and then it's just easy again. It's the same thing with with certain songs or 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 pieces of entertainment that are really again etched in our memories. So I, I love the notion of that. I keep unmuting myself. <laughs> I'm thinking uh, maybe at this point we could kind of share the overall relevance and impact of the Disney sing-along-song series, because even though it doesn't, um, there are no current or new videos per se, um, the the legacy, the um, lingering effects of it still manifest in, in different ways, um, and so we're going to talk about some different elements of that, and perhaps the most salient example actually debuted on ABC via two different specials um, in spring 2020, and that was the Disney f- Family Singalongs, um, which really emerged out of a couple of reasons. One, trying to th- find some original programming for the network during uh, coronavirus, and, um, and also, too, the, the idea of, let's try to think of some different ways of bringing families together. The Little Mermaid Live was a huge success for the network. Um, and in a different way, but kind of harkening back to the sing-along songs era, um, the Disney family sing-alongs has allowed for individuals to follow the lyrics on screen, um, but sing them with some really notable celebrities. Um, Both of these generated huge numbers for the network, um, particularly the first one um, in April, uh, I think generated more than 10 million viewers, um, which in this era is pretty remarkable. Um, and the second one airing around Mother's Day um, or on Mother's Day, um, didn't perform quite as well, but still got huge numbers. There were major celebrities, some of them uh, actually being the singers from the, uh, from the films um, themselves. So Anika Noni Rose um, sang part of Almost There from The Princess and the Frog, uh, Donny Osmond singing I'll Make a Man Out of You from Mulan, but then a number of others. Um, so you got Adina uh, Menzel, and Ben Platt singing A Whole New World, so a whole mix of celebrities and a um, big hit for the network and a way of kind of, uh, again, re-envisioning sing-along songs for a new generation. But I just want to see if, if uh, you both have thoughts or um, memories of those specials.
0: Yeah, I feel like those were very well-received, and I think it really speaks to how comforting. You know, we found sing-alongs as a as children, they were provided a comfort in these quote unprecedented times, as has been often used. Uh, I will say what I found probably most remarkable about the reception to it was I I certainly find myself online in what I'd say is a niche Disney communicated or sorry a niche Disney community you know very active on what we refer to lovingly as dis Twitter. But I noticed when the first one aired. People from my high school or that I maybe was friends on Facebook with but haven't talked to in 10 years were actively posting. I was like, oh, we got some closet Disney fans coming out of the woodwork here for, for their enthusiasm. So I think that was such a testament to the popularity that maybe not the people that I'd expect to be posting about it were sharing their enthusiasm and their love of what Disney was able to do and bring people together through this platform.
1: Also, the diversity of people who participated in creating the special, I think also speaks to how powerful Disney is as a brand, that there's very few people who do not want to be part of something that Disney's creating. It's amazing how many celebrities were like, yes, I'm going to do it. And then they had to make a second one because the reception was so good. Uh, These specials also kind of reminded me, do you guys remember the Disney Mania CDs? Where artists oh, yeah. recreated yeah. <laughs> Disney songs in their own styles. It reminded me a lot of that too, since they had a lot of, because um, traditional sing-alongs is, it's the one from the film, follow the bouncing ball. And then in this, it was kind of a hybrid of the two, where you had the words and the bouncing ball, but it was also, they had the license to kind of put their own twist on Disney classics.
2: Yeah. That, that's a really good point though, about, Disney being much more mainstream um, now <laughs> in so many ways, but also just uh, eliciting such interest among people from so many different um, spaces, right? So, like, yes, it makes sense to bring on, you know, Dancing with the Stars and uh, Derek Huff and company. Like, that's brilliant and a nice visual accompaniment. But, you know, artists from so many different um, genres, kind of like what you're saying with Disney Mania, um, putting their spin on, On the songs, and it's great publicity for them, obviously. Uh, And then, you know, you just parse these out, put them on YouTube, and you get, you know, a a few million views of folks watching Ariana Grande doing, uh, I can't say I'm in love, um, or I won't say I'm in love, excuse me. So um, it makes sense across a lot of platforms to really leverage this.
1: So other than celebrities, though, they're not the first time people have brought out Disney songs in their own ways. Um, I know all of us went on YouTube and brought up some of our favorite uh, compilations or other artists who have used Disney. Um, so I wanted to know what were some of your other favorites?
2: Uh, well, I'll, uh, I I guess I'll jump in. Uh, I think there are so many to choose from that it's hard to really narrow it down to one, but I'll just use an example of uh, an artist a YouTube user that I've really um, admired is, uh, his name's Gabriel Brown, goes by Black uh, Griffin on YouTube, and he has an, he's a wonderful performer, um, and a good handful of the videos are Disney-focused, so it's not Disney-exclusive, but um, one of them that I found really impressive was uh, basically singing in the tone and uh, voice of a series of different characters. It's a compilation um, of them, everything from Pumbaa to Hercules, and he totally gets in the the mood by uh, dressing up in the color scheme or costume or kind of similar costumes of the characters, and uh, and just performs them with uh, such beauty and brilliance. Um, so I I'd highly recommend. Folks, check out Gabriel Brown's videos um, because they're, and mind you all, he's very popular. And uh, maybe we sh- Maybe I should try to get him on a future episode of the podcast. But uh, really impressive. And there's no shortage of creativity associated with them, whether it's a compilation of uh, a number of different Disney songs or, or some of them being focused on a specific theme or uh, film property.
0: Yeah, I love seeing people take their talent of different voice overs and just seamlessly go from one to the other. But another viral sensation that I thought of um, was the concept of when someone films themselves a few different times but mashes them up together to cover a song, whether it's the different harmonies or different vocal parts within there. Um, And I thought of the user Nick Patera and then I felt old because I looked up (laughs) the video and I realized it went viral nine years ago. And his video was called "One Man Disney Movies." So he does—he has like a box where one of him is the Disney heroine, another box is the villain, the yeah, other is the townspeople. But he goes through different iconic songs that feature—I think about six different roles within Disney films. Then he—he he kind of, you know, found success in that video and continued to do his videos of just himself but covering all of these different vocal parts so he does aladdin he does lion king on broadway but i went to check out his youtube channel and he did an updated version of his one man disney movie specifically just last month and it was called one man disney movie at home (laughs) edition so uh taking on the the quarantine hobby there and producing some new content
2: Pretty my pick Oh, I was just going to say, I'm sorry, I was just going to say Nick is awesome. And I think Disney, he even did some stuff for Disney officially at one point. I feel like he had a presence at one of the D23 Expos via Disney. So, oh, awesome! yeah, I just wanted to comment. Yeah, Godified go ahead. Um, I
1: believe he has content out there.
2: Yeah, really impressive person.
1: My pick is similar to yours, Courtney, where it's an acapella and they mash up various clips of them singing all the different parts um this video came out six years ago it's called a disney classics melody um or medley sorry not melody uh by alex g and peter Hollins. um they did mostly i think this one's a lot of uh disney renaissance and it was popular enough that they even made it onto the album disney classics which is available on itunes it's a huge album there's like 40 some songs on it um, from the parks from films and even their acapella take on this medley and i just remember when i saw it for the first time i played it on repeat and immediately bought the song and i just keep playing it even today i still probably listen to it once or twice a week it's one of my favorites
2: That's awesome. I think what we've illustrated is there's no shortage of talent online and people who are channeling their passion for Disney music in ways that reach mass audiences. And I I think to conclude, we're about an hour and a half in, so clearly we had a lot to say as it pertained to Disney sing-along songs and uh, related topics. What Can we maybe just kind of share, um, maybe not necessarily in a specific order, but what are our takeaways or thoughts of in regards to the impact of this series of videos and, and what it's meant in our lives and and ultimately the, the products that have come out of it even since.
0: I think the biggest takeaway for me is when you told me that Disneyland Fun was turning 30 years old and here we are still giving it glowing reviews about how much of an impact it's had on our lives as Disney fans and not just Disneyland Fun, but all of these Uh, sing-along song collections were not only a part of our childhood, but many of your listeners I'm sure, and how how that concept has grown and evolved today to being a source of comfort as I shared for the most recent uh, take on it as part of a live television event really just shows not only how important Disney music is to us, but how coming together and singing along Uh, really provides comfort for us.
1: I think for me, it's also just how powerful Disney's music is. Um, As a company, I feel like we always think of, you know, the history of Disney about animation and the theme parks, but music is such a big part of the legacy of this company. And I think the sing-along songs show that when VHS tapes became a thing and you could bring videos home, they immediately put their music on tape. And that's what we all sang along to and got to know the songs really well. All of us talked about different memories of, or at least me, having little concerts in your living room or watching them at night before you went to bed. And then it grew into YouTube users making their own videos about songs to us streaming in a pandemic uh, family Disney sing-alongs through their main network on ABC. So I really think that all of this just shows that the genre, it's its own genre of Disney music, is just as powerful and lasting in Disney than just its animation or just the theme parks. The music is an integral part of what makes something Disney.
2: Yeah, and I think uh, kind of to piggyback off of what you're saying there, Emily, is that a lot of what we love today as people's often rooted in nostalgia and things that were important to us in our childhood and the signs of that something are still um, resonating with us today as if we can watch them um, as adults and and still find a lot of joy and and value in them. And I think that that series um, holds a special place in our hearts for that reason. Uh, and I have to admit too, I um, you are not the only one. So I had little concerts of my own. And I, as you're we talking, I was thinking back to standing on my uh, childhood fireplace with a a roll of a uh, an a uh, depleted roll of toilet paper and using the the roll itself as a microphone and singing Disney songs. So um, that's
1: fantastic.
2: And there are videotapes of them. I have no <laughs> doubt um, because I was quite the performer and and host as a as a young one. So. Um yeah, and you know, maybe that's a that's an extension of sing along songs in a way, right? We we had a passion for the music, for what they represented, and we wanted to recreate them and to live them in our own ways. Um and, and how we would produce them as a way of kind of capturing that moment from uh just enjoying the videos. So now Courtney, you have to be the third one say, Oh yeah, I performed little <laughs> concerts too. <laughs>
0: did <laughs> I guess I was shy I liked to dance uh but I have just never been a singer I sing along in the comfort of my own home uh but I I don't subject anyone else to my singing
1: <laughs> you're a real stellar uh solo artist in your car
0: thank you and my shower <laughs>
2: Love that, well, let's, um, I, I do have, before we uh, wrap up and, and let our listeners know about um, how to find Book of the Mouse Club and follow both of you, I wanted to pose a just a, a final lingering question as it pertained to Disney sing-along songs. Um, obviously, I've had both of you on the podcast before, so I've asked you the typical sets of Disney book and music related questions. But in honor of sing-along songs, I have a, a question for each of you. If Disney sing-along songs could be revived, who, what Disney character would you pick as the new host of the series and why?
0: Oh,
1: that's tough. I'm going to need a moment to think. Professor Owl still has to do the theme song. Yes, agreed. Even if it's a different host, I'm adamant that Professor Owl still has to sing... And you know, bring us all together for a Disney sing-along. You at home can sing. I'm gonna get going again. I need to stop. Um. Oh, that is. I have an idea,
0: but it might be a controversial one. Yes, more hot takes by Courtney. More hot takes. Go for it. Um, I feel like Olaf would be a fun host for it i mean we we saw josh gad feature prominently in the disney family sing-along he is clearly a big part of the disney family that's certainly a departure from like what we've dubbed these brainiac hosts but i just feel like olaf's spirit and sense of childlike wonder would really lend itself to kind of stitching these all together
1: that's a really good pick and I think you're right. Olaf could rise to the ranks of Neil Patrick Harris hosting levels of just, he's very universal. He's kind of like the Fab Five where you can plop Olaf down anywhere and he works to an extent.
2: <laughs> yeah. It was actually funny. Like I posed the question and I'm thinking, yeah. Uh, o-, and before he even said it, Courtney, I'm thinking, yeah, Olaf would be perfect. <laughs>
0: okay, I'm glad I'm not alone in that. Because I feel like there's sometimes criticism that like, oh, Frozen is overused. But you know, it's it's been some time. We've got a break. I feel like Frozen 2 did well, but we didn't get like another resurgence of, of Frozen mania. So I I think he's an appropriate choice.
1: I am in agreement that a host needs to kind of be a secondary or tertiary character. I don't think a main character or lead from any film could host these. I like that it's someone else stepping in. Um, so I've got two ideas. Um, I think one hosted. I mean, okay, this is kind of going back on my thing, but Donald could jump into this too, but the three caballeros hosting a sing-along song I think could be fun. They're very musically inclined together. Um, or I was thinking uh, Lewis from Princess and the Frog. He can play his trumpet and lead us into lots of fun Disney songs that way. He has an appreciation for music. So I think he would compliment Professor Owl well like also. That.
2: Yeah, those are really good choices. So I
1: could see Jose and Ponchito, you know, stepping up. That could be
2: fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I love the notion of that. I would, if I could throw one into the mix, I would say, even though not a musical character, but going along the lines of the Brainiacs, do you remember Nose Moore from Ralph Breaks the Internet?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, he
0: kind of has a Professor Al look to him. Like, he'd fit right in that opening sequence.
1: He also wears a mortarboard, so they'll have to wear the, the hat.
2: There you go. There you go. Well, uh... Let's make sure everybody here at Notably Disney knows where and how to follow both of you with Book of the Mouse Club.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So we've been lucky enough to be on your show twice now. We've had you over on ours as a guest reader. But for listeners who are unfamiliar, you can find Book of the Mouse Club uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts really anywhere you can find, notably Disney, I'm sure you can find Book of the Mouse Club. Uh, we are specifically dedicated to books that either inspire Disney films, books about Disney. We love to discuss them with guest readers like Brett. Sometimes it's a discussion between the two of us, and we often also feature Author interviews. Uh, we just wrapped up our summer cinema series, Live Action and Literary Classics, where we had the pleasure of diving into 20,000 Leagues into the Sea, Treasure Island, and Pollyanna to discuss both the history of those classic works of literature and the classic live action Disney film. So that's just a taste of what we enjoy talking about on that show. Uh, lots
1: more still to come in 2020. So we hope to have you join the club. Yep. And you can find us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at book of the mouse. And you can follow uh, me, Emily, on Instagram and Twitter at the same handle at Emily underscore McD. That's E-M-I-L-Y underscore M-I-C-K-D-E. And if you want to yell about.
0: At me about my controversial hot tapes. You can find me on Instagram at great or on Twitter at Courtney underscore Guth. That's C O U R T N E Y underscore G U T
2: H. Fantastic. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk with both of you. I'm glad we're able to make this episode happen because certainly we had a lot to share about Disney sing-along songs, and I'm sure through this conversation it may have even sparked memories and thoughts from the listeners um, about this classic series. So thank you again so much for coming on Notably Disney. And um, yeah, let's uh, let's revisit more of those tapes.
1: Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, Brett. This was so much fun.
2: This was a fun trip down memory lane for me, likely Emily and Courtney too. And I hope for all of you as the listeners. So let me ask you, what was your favorite sing-along songs, tape Do you have a a memory that stands out of watching this on your VHS perhaps Um, send those along to my email at notablydisney@gmail.com. I'd love to hear what those might entail and I encourage you to check out some of the examples of those tapes which are on YouTube um, thanks to um, many fellow Disney fans who have been able to provide that service. Uh, Let's all hope that these eventually pop up on disney plus in some capacity um and yeah i really uh value this time to think back to these way old memories that i hadn't really thought of um and thanks to a great conversation with emily and courtney too we're able to learn a little bit about the hosts and components of this series that made it quite distinct so thanks again for to them for their time and, and thanks to all of you for listening Thanks again for joining me on another episode of Notably Disney. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Follow me on Twitter at bnachmanreports. That's B-N-A-C-H-M-A-N reports. And be among the first to find out about the release of new episodes. I also encourage you to send me an email to notablydisney at gmail.com regarding your thoughts of the show as well as suggestions for content. So until we turn the page on another chapter, I'm Brett, and thanks for listening to Notably Disney. Notably Disney is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. Consequently, the perspectives and opinions expressed by the host and guests are strictly theirs and do not represent the views of the Walt Disney Company and its employees. The main purpose of the Notably Disney podcast is to offer information and critiques about the Walt Disney Company.